Good morning. Glad you could join us for worship this morning. While we uh, review a few announcements, would you please pass the attendance pads in your row, pass them across, and sign in if you would. And uh, pay attention to the names of those in the pew with you. You get to greet them here pretty soon. If it's your first time with us, it's our privilege to have you here, and we ask you allow us to give you a packet of information about the ministries here at Alden Union Church. In this packet is a card that we ask you to take out immediately and fill out, and a little bit later in the service, put it in the offering plate so we can acknowledge a visit by letter. So if it's your first time with us, if you'd raise your hand high, Pastor Paul will be coming with Center Isle, and just keep it up until he's next to you, and he'll make sure you get that packet of information. If you look through your bulletin, there's a lot of things that are starting up. And we can't cover them all this morning. You need to make sure you read through the whole bulletin and read the extra page of announcements so you don't miss anything. But we do want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, Coming up in a few weeks, October 12th, Sunday, October 12th, please note this on your calendar. That morning, there's no first service. There's really no traditional service. There's no Bible school service. There's one service. And we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of our Bible school that morning. And so our one combined service, combining them all together that morning, will start at 945, which is Bible school time. And it'll be a little longer service than normal as we celebrate what God's done here in Bible school. But the service will be done somewhere around 1115, 1130. And then there'll be a fellowship luncheon here on site that everybody's invited to right after that. uh, To again enjoy some fellowship together. So please note that on your calendar for three weeks from now, and make sure all of your friends know it if they haven't been here to hear that. If you have children, age three through fifth grade, Awana begins tonight with their kickoff picnic. Uh, At the same time of our evening service, they'll be over in Providence Park, and so bring your children for that. Also, if you have children in grades one through five, next Sunday at 5 p.m., Hosanna Chimes and Joyful Noise Choirs start And if you have a question on that, contact Pastor Derek, and he'll be able to tell you what you need for that. Ladies, if you're interested in the side-by-side mentoring ministry, you've got a note on that in the bulletin. That happens next Sunday afternoon. And if you want to sign up for that, you can do it at the ladies' table out the back down to your left. Uh, They have an area for women's ministry, and you can sign up there. And tonight during the evening service, we'll be starting our fall elective series, four weeks with three different electives that you can choose. Uh, to get more informed about some topics or informed for the first time about some topics that might help you in your Christian walk. So join us tonight for that, if you will. You'll notice in our order of service, in the top of the order of service in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six, For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And you understand we'll culminate this morning by celebrating the Lord's table together and taking communion. And so even now is a good time to start examining your heart and making sure that you don't have any unconfessed sin between you and God, that your heart and minds are prepared to take communion together. So take a few moments of silent prayer where you talk to God about those things. Father, we remind ourselves first this morning that you are holy. That you're pure, that you're separate, that you're above all. And in your holiness, you've separated us out and called us to live holy lives. 
And this morning, as we join together in fellowship, we trust that our hearts and minds are holy and pure before you, and that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart is acceptable in your sight, because you're our God and our Redeemer. We pray this morning you would help us to worship as you have asked us to, in spirit, with all that we are, with enthusiasm, with our true selves, and in truth, following what you have prescribed in your word, and focusing on the truth of who you are and who Jesus Christ is. And we know if we do those things, you will be honored and glorified and blessed and pleased with all that we do this morning. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. got a lot of nice people around you can greet this morning. So take a few minutes to greet one another. Let's all stand and let's sing together a mighty fortress.
Amen. You may be seated. But please keep out your hymnals. And just kind of a heads up for if you're joining us for the first time or unfamiliar with this um, moving forward, we're going to, after we do this reading together, we're going to stand and sing the Gloria Patri, which is number 622 in the back of your hymnal. And then we will stay standing and then recite the Apostles' Creed together, which is on the inside front cover of your hymnal. At this time, we're going to turn to our back and go to reading number 687. And this is Passover and the Last Supper, along with our communion theme today. And I would ask that we all read uh, the bold print together, and I will read the light print. I'll begin. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? So they went and found it as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Mm-hmm. 
Join me in prayer. Father, as we listen to that song, we're reminded to be thankful for how wonderful that cross was for us and yet how terrible it was for you to take our sin. Help us to never live in such a way that we take that sacrifice for granted. This morning, as we're reminded of what that sacrifice cost and what it meant, may we renew our commitment to live as you've called us to, that you died for all, and you died for us, so we wouldn't live for ourselves, but for you. And we would live in a way that demonstrates how wonderful that cross was for us to others. And we know it's terrible for those who don't know about that cross. And we pray you'd help us not to keep silent in sharing the good news of what your sacrifice on that cross did. We're reminded tonight of Awana as it starts up and the privilege we have of sharing with a number of kids from the community about your gospel and the truth of your word. And we pray for a great turnout tonight, a great start. We pray for more workers for Awana so it can continue to be a great testimony for the lives of kids and for people who haven't come to our church in any other way but to come to that. We pray for those who are away from us, that they will live out their lives, be a testimony where they're at, as we pray for them every week. And we pray for Shannon Creek and Lauren Beluccio and Jenna Bretz and the Akakoros as they're ministering in other places, not here. And we pray to provide what they need financially, protect them physically, but help them to stand for your truth in many cases, in the midst of dark places and people who have no clue what truth is. Give them the strength to do what they need to do. We're thankful for our leaders here. We pray for Randy Haynes as he represents the rest of them, that you would bless the time that they spend serving us, that you would help them to do it with joy and not with grief, that we would follow their leadership as they follow you. And that as a body, we would draw together in love in the way that you called us to. We know there are others of our body right now. Each of us can think of different individuals who have needs, that are going through challenges. Some that you are bringing their way. Some that they're causing by their own disobedience. And we ask that you do in their lives what's necessary to bring them close to you. That you'd help them to depend on you, depend on your word to help them to keep part of the fellowship, that we would take the time to encourage them, meet any needs that we can for them, and to support them in love and whatever is being allowed in their lives. We're thankful for all that you give to us. What a gracious God you are to give us all that we have. And now as we give some of that back to you, may we give it back generously not trying to keep it for ourselves and use it in ways that we shouldn't, but to give it to you sacrificially because we know you deserve it all and you'll use it in ways best for that money to be used. And so may we give cheerfully this morning 
and be pleased that we can honor and glorify and bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On Saturday, July 27, 2013, the lives of young people from Colonia Hills Baptist Church of Indianapolis, Indiana, were changed forever. Returning from a trip just a mile from home, their bus crashed, injuring many and taking the lives of their youth pastor, his wife, their unborn child, and another mother. Just days before the tragedy, Chris Anderson wrote this text as an encouragement for Christians in the midst of difficulties. Little did he know how fitting it would be for grieving families, a grieving church, and a grieving Christian community. Greg Habiger, Chris's uh, usual collaborator on hymn projects and an Indiana native, composed a tune for the text in the days following the accident. It was introduced for the first time as part of the funeral service for the youth pastor and his family. This piece now stands as a powerful reminder of God's presence in our lives during even the most heartbreaking of times. It is my privilege to arrange this new hymn, with the hopes that it will encourage others as it has me. God is with us until the day when he takes us to be with him. And that is from Molly I. James, who is the arranger of this piece called I Am With You. And this morning we do have a Leah Kim to grace us with her presence. We do thank her for being with us this morning. You can hear some lovely violin parts. So we hope you enjoy I Am With You.
Thank you again to Leah for coming out. I know she was at Juilliard teaching yesterday and came from New York this morning to be with us, so thank you so much. At this time, if you please take out your hymnals. Let's open up together to hymn number 404, and let's stand and let's sing together the solid rock.
You may be seated. Let's join together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of music that can lift our hearts toward you, can help us to be able to express to you in ways that we're unable to our worship and our praise and our adoration of you yourself. We thank you for that. Thank you for the reminders this morning of the cross. Thank you for the reminders of your great power. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for your sovereignty and so many things that we've already been able to remind ourselves of. And right now we want to thank you for your word. And thank you for your powerful word and for the blessing of it. And thank you for the reminders that are in it this morning of exactly what it is that we're going to be doing a little bit later on when we celebrate communion together. So we thank you for this and thank you for the excitement of knowing you and knowing your presence here with us now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking together at the importance of communion, or if you will, the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. And to read about that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'd like to read verses 23 through 32. And as I read these verses, think about how important communion is. Think about how important it is, what we're going to be celebrating in a little while. Verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of that bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, truly we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. It's time to remember something very important this morning. And in fact, one of the devotional writers tells us how the United States Navy remembers something that is very important, and some of you will remember this as well. When a United States Navy vessel arrives or departs from the military bases in Pearl Harbor, The crew of that ship lines up in dress uniform. They stand at attention at arm's length on the outer edges of the deck in salute to the soldiers, sailors, and civilians who died on December 7, 1941. It is a stirring sight, and participants often list it among the most memorable moments of their military career. Even for spectators on shore, The salute triggers an incredibly emotional connection, but especially between the servants of today and the servants of yesterday. 
It grants nobility to the work of today's sailor while giving dignity to the sacrifice of those from the past. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it was surely with an eye toward creating the same kind of bond. Our participation in the Lord's table honors his sacrifice while also granting us a connection to him unlike any other act of remembrance. Just as the Navy carefully prescribes the way it salutes the fallen, so too Scripture teaches us how to remember Jesus. These acts of reverence and thanksgiving serve to honor past action while giving purpose to present service. The importance of communion that I believe we will see in seven questions this morning. First of all, what is it? What is communion? What is the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table? What is it that we're celebrating here this morning? Several things. First of all, it is a participation together. We're participating in this together. There's one Greek word, and you've heard it many, many times. It's the word koinonia. Koinonia, we have a class that meets in the chapel during the Bible school hour called koinonia that's been around for years and years. The word koinonia in the Greek is expressed in our translations by the use of seven different English words. It's the same word in Greek, but seven different words. I'm not going to share all of them, but one of the words that is translated is the word participation. And so we're having a participation, a koinonia, together right now. Another is the word fellowship. We use that word a lot. And we understand just because we have a fellowship hall and we eat a lot in there, fellowship involves more than eating, doesn't it? Fellowship involves something that we share in common. It's that participation we have together in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another word that we use to translate koinonia is the word communion. Now, all of these and the other words as well refer to a sharing together of what we have in common. In fact, the word sharing is used more than any other word to translate koinonia. So we've got this sharing. We've got this participation together. We've got this communion. We've got this fellowship. And it reminds us that we're all in this together. So when we celebrate communion together, we experience a deep sense of unity. There's a common bond among us. There should be a growing love for one another. All of this is centered around the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all part of his great body. He's the head. We have something in common. We have the fact that we're part of him, and in doing that, we're part of each other as well. Now, what was going on? There were some verses I could have read before the verses I read, and there are a couple of verses afterwards that I could have read that I didn't. Those verses describe something that is going on or was going on that time in Corinth. It was actually very ugly. What was happening is that people were all in it for themselves. They weren't thinking about the body. They weren't thinking about each other. They would come whenever they wanted to, and when they were hungry, they would start eating, and they would have a whole meal together. Some of the people would gorge themselves. Some of the people would actually engage in gluttony, as the inference is there, while other people didn't have anything. They would come. Other people would already be eating, and some would have nothing and the point that he's making, the verses that I read are sandwiched between admonitions against what they were doing because they were in it for themselves. They didn't care about anybody else. They didn't care about the rest of the body. And so the Apostle Paul had these words to say about what communion really means, what participation really means. It's not all about just me. 
It's about all of us together. And I trust that we're able to see that. We understand, don't we, that we have differences from one another. We're all different people, aren't we? Just take appearance, for example. Is there anybody here that looks like you? Look around. Is there anybody here that looks just like you? Is there anybody here that looks just like me? Please don't say, thank the Lord, no. (laughs) We're different in the way that we look, and that's a wonderful thing when God brings us together. We're not the same size, we're not the same color, we're not the same build. Everything is different, and that's great. The diversity of who we are is something that we can celebrate because together we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have different tastes in things like music, don't we? We have different tastes in worship styles. We have different tastes in fashion preferences. We have a different taste, and you've heard me say this before, even in the temperature of a room like this one. And I've told you before how it is that some people will come in and they will sit there in the pew and they will fold their hands or cross their arms and they will look up at me and glare at me and they'll make it a big point to go out and get their coat, bring it in, put their coat on and still glare at me and fold their arms and then sitting next to them is somebody fanning himself or fanning herself. And you, you get to a point where you say, you know, there are some things that are different and that's okay. We can be different that way. Believe it or not, there are still some people in here who haven't seen the light on the right sports teams to be fans of. And I can't convince you otherwise. But there are some who are that way. Uh, We share political viewpoints that are not always the same. I had a lot of fun in our visitors class and our new members class uh, this morning. One of the things we share is an icebreaker. We share different things every week. This week we shared our favorite and least favorite food. It was really neat to hear somebody say, my favorite food is, and then hear somebody else go, yuck, or ugh, I don't like that. And, and we concluded at the end of it when we saw how different our food tastes were, it's okay. It's okay to have different food tastes. It's okay to have all these other things because what we have in common is the most important thing of all. We have in common the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Interesting because in the Greek language, the word koinonia is literally used to describe partners in a business or joint owners of a piece of property or shareholders in a common enterprise. And then that word fellowship that's often used to translate koinonia has become a specifically Christian word. It encompasses our common possession of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we understand from many scriptures, one that I'll put on the screen right now from 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we have. That's what we're sharing together this morning. Whatever you want to call it, you can call it fellowship or you can call it communion or participation or sharing or koinonia if you want to. But we're sharing in common something that's very, very important and that is the Lord Jesus Himself. What is communion? It's a participation together, but it's not just that. It is also a proclamation. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, we read just a moment ago that we're proclaiming the death of the Lord Jesus. And we're proclaiming His death until He comes again. Isn't that significant? It's about His death. We're going to be celebrating the fact that He gave His body and He shed His blood for us. That's about His physical body and we understand that 
And we understand how important that is for each one of us. But we also understand that as we're doing that together, how important it is that we're proclaiming something together. We're proclaiming, which means more than just to represent or to signify or picture Jesus' death. We are doing that. It is, in one sense, an object lesson of what is there, but it's more than that. Because it means we're preaching the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're doing it until He comes again. Now, that means that it didn't stop at His death. Something must have happened because He's coming back again. And something did happen. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God, and then He's coming back. And we're remembering His death until he comes again because that death was a part of a great process to secure our salvation to proclaim then is to preach and i know sometimes people don't like the word preach you hear it a lot oh forgive me for being preachy um and forgive me i'm always preachy but that's that's something that here it's talking about the fact that all of us are preaching this sermon today God may have brought some into our midst who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. They don't know the forgiveness of sin they can have in Christ. And what we are doing is we're preaching a message to them, and we're saying to them, watch us. Watch what we do. Not because we're important, but because we're honoring the Lord Jesus, and we're honoring His death, and the fact that He's coming again, and that we can have forgiveness of sins through Him. Very important, then, that... All who are participating in communion are the ministers today because we're all preaching. Katangolo, declare, announce, teach, preach. That's what we're doing. That's the Greek word for that. So what is communion? It's a participation together. It's a proclamation, and it's more than that, too. It's a pledge of a new covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter eleven twenty-five makes that very clear to us. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new testament. Not the old law, not the old covenant, but a new one based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A sacrifice once for all. Jesus said, It is finished. And it was. It was all done. Everything was paid for that needed to be paid for. And so we've got this whole idea of this new covenant symbolized by the blood shed by the Lord Jesus. And that's a pledge here in communion. We're reminded of that new covenant. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Many verses in Hebrews talk about this new covenant. And I'm not going to put them on the screen, the verses, or ask you to turn to them, but at your leisure if you would like to. You'll see in Hebrews 7.22, it is referred to as a better covenant. It's new and it's better. We'll see if we look in chapter 8, that it makes the first covenant obsolete. Jesus has done something great for us. And involved in that is this new covenant. And we see that in communion. It's a pledge of what Jesus' blood did for us. What is communion? It's a lot of things. Second question, why do we observe communion? Again, several reasons. One of them is to remember Jesus. We celebrate communion to remember Jesus. We need tangible, visible reminders of Jesus, especially of his death. 
because even if we don't want to, we forget a lot of important things. Unwittingly, we are forgetful people, just like God's people Israel used to be in the Old Testament as we read about them. They would have all kinds of events that would occur, like the parting of a Red Sea, and soon after they would forget the power of God. The plagues in Egypt, how God provided in the wilderness with the manna and so many other things, the defeats of the enemies. God was active and involved, and in a short time later, the people would forget that they could depend on God. They would want to replace Him. They would want to get something or someone else that they could rely on because they had forgotten all that God had done for them. We do the same thing. We tend to have spiritual Alzheimer's disease sometimes. We have to be reminded of even the most important things in our spiritual lives. For the Jews of the time that this was written, to remember meant much more than simply to bring something back to mind or to recall something. To truly remember was to go back in one's mind, recapture as much of the reality and significance of an event or experience as one possibly could. In other words, it was almost to to feel this. Not just bring it back to my mind, but to feel what was going on, to think about what Jesus went through, to think about the agony of the cross, to think about what Jesus was going through when the voice when he said, when he said in, in, in the voice on the cross that uh, the voice came and said, this is my, excuse me, uh, forgot, the, uh, forgot the point. Um, when Jesus was, was there on the cross and it said, my, son, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Can you feel that? Can you feel the sins of the whole world that were on Jesus on the cross so much that he was to say that? And so we've got this whole idea to truly remember Jesus. Not a passing mental exercise, but it involves our entire being. And I hope that we can do that during this communion service. That we can do what Jesus told us to do. He said in verse 24, he said in verse 25, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. When you take the bread, do it in remembrance of me. When you take the cup, do that in remembrance of me. And so there's more to it than that. Why do we observe communion? To remember Jesus, but also to obey Jesus. In verses 24 and 25, once again, remember he said, do this in remembrance of me. When, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. It's a form of a command, not a suggestion. To fail to remember Jesus in this way is a direct act of disobedience for a believer. It's a loving command, but it's a command nonetheless. Why do we observe communion? To remember Jesus, to obey Jesus, and then thirdly, to copy the early church. To copy the early church or to comply with the early church. You remember the verse in Acts 2.42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That breaking of the bread, they devoted themselves to that. Over the years, I've studied that word devoted a lot. I wanted to find out exactly what that meant, and I've discovered that that's a very strong word. It means to give constant attention to something, to persevere, to continue steadfastly. And it appears as we read through the book of Acts that at least every Sunday, the believers would celebrate communion. That doesn't mean we have to do that. That's something that they did. It's descriptive. That doesn't mean it's prescriptive necessarily. But it does show the fact that at least that often they were celebrating communion. 
And so if we in any way want to cooperate or copy the early church, the pattern that they set for us, communion was something that was very, very important. How do we observe it? How do we observe communion? Again, more than one reason. By praising and thanking God. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 talks about it being a blessing together. And again, in verses 24 and 25, Jesus gave thanks both times before distributing the element, the symbol of his body, and then his blood as well. Jesus gave thanks before he distributed each of them. The Greek word for giving thanks is eucharistasos. Some of you, maybe from a higher church background, will recognize the word Eucharist in there. It simply means thanksgiving. It's a time of giving thanks. That's one of the things we do in communion. How do we observe it? We're praising and thanking God, and we've already begun that. I hope we began that before we even got here, but the glorious music of the morning that we were able to participate and enjoy and share in is something that is helping us to do that. So how do we observe it? By praising and thanking God, but that's not all by purifying ourselves. And there are six verses in there that are very, very significant. They're a little scary if you take them seriously, and I believe we should take them seriously. By purifying ourselves. And part of that purification process, it says, we shouldn't partake of communion in an unworthy manner. That's verse 27. What does that mean? It has to do with a heart's attitude. Please don't misunderstand this to say that, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy. I shouldn't participate in communion. Uh, Please don't misunderstand that to say, as many of us will do, you know what? I'm a worm. I'm a worm before God. I'm that wretch in the Amazing Grace song that was saved. I don't have any worthiness in me whatsoever. That's true apart from Christ, but it's false in Christ because He's made us worthy. So when we're talking about in a worthy manner, we're not talking about being perfect. We're not talking about somebody who's never sinned. We're talking about, and I I love the words that one writer has said. He said, it's unworthy when we come together and participate in communion ritualistically. That is, when I'm just going through the motions, when it's mechanical, when it's not something that I'm able to say, this is really a sacred, significant occasion in my life. I get to celebrate Jesus' death until he comes again. I get to remember Jesus and what he did for me. That's very, very significant. So it's not ritualistically. It's not indifferently. It's not, oh, we've got communion today. We'll probably get out a few minutes late. Or it's a communion today. Uh, it's like the commercial. I'd like to get the commercial over with and we'll do some other things that I like to do better. Uh, that's an unworthy manner. If that's your feeling about communion, then please, please do not participate. Or he says, with an unrepentant heart or a spirit of bitterness, or any other ungodly attitude, if you're hanging on to those things, not confessing them, not dealing with them before the Lord, then please don't participate because that's an unworthy manner. I hope that you understand what I'm saying. It doesn't mean perfection, but also it does mean that we're not holding on to sin and sinful attitudes and actions. Purifying ourselves. It also means with self-examination. Verse 28 tells us that. Self-examination. We must be ready to prove ourselves, test ourselves as if we were testing a piece of metal to make sure it was genuine. We need to confess any sin to God. Self-examination prevents the need for God's chastening. That means I am examining myself. I'm not examining you. You're not examining me. But that's self 
examination prior to partaking in the Lord's table. And it also is discerning the body of the Lord, it tells us in verse 29. Discerning or recognizing the body of the Lord. That means to separate, make a distinction, arrive at the particular significance and sacredness of the Lord's body so that all of us will shrink back from dishonoring it and will all be stimulated to faith and to a truly repentant spirit. The Lord's body recognizing that I believe firmly in two senses we're recognizing the Lord's body. Jesus says, remember, remember because my body was given for you. Remember the blood that was there. We're remembering remembering those in the symbols that are there present. We're definitely remembering that. But remember the context? Remember the context? This is sandwiched between the idea that the body was being dishonored because people were in it all for themselves. They weren't thinking about the rest of the body. And when we come to verse 33, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Part of that judgment that is being spoken of here is this whole attitude that it's all about me instead of it's about us together honoring Jesus. So we need to be very, very careful that we don't enter into communion lightly but we also do enter into it with the proper attitude in our hearts. Some quick questions now, easy answers. How often do we observe communion? It says in Acts 2.42 they were continually devoted. That means it should be more rather than less. And we're to do it until he comes. But it is as often as we desire. There's not an objective number. There's not something that says you've got to do it this number of times. For years and years, Alden Union Church used to celebrate communion four times a year and only four times a year. We studied the the, the scriptures. We talked about that, and we thought, do you know what? That doesn't really seem like we're devoting ourselves to this. And so we've gradually added communion services during the course of a year. When do we celebrate communion? Whenever we desire. It's not limited to Sunday morning. We could... And as we do, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Good Friday, Wednesday p.m., and then other times during the week, weekends, retreats, all sorts of times we celebrate communion. There's nothing that says it's got to be done in one time and one place. And in fact, that's the next question. Where does communion take place? Anywhere, not just here. And as I alluded to earlier, retreats, small groups, short-term missions groups who get together, uh, anywhere, anytime, we can devote ourselves And we don't have to just say it's got to be consigned to this particular time, this particular place, and it's got to be served by the elders or the trustees or the pastors. I don't find that in Scripture. I find that in a lot of tradition, but I don't find that in Scripture. And the last question, who may participate? And I think we've answered this already, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are members of his family. You don't have to be a member of Alden Union Church, but you do have to be a member of the body of Christ. That is, that you have to be a believer personally in Christ. Only family members are disciplined and punished by their father. Only family members are in view in the communion passages that we read. None of the questions asked so far has any meaning to the one who's not been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God takes a very dim view of those who intrude in a sacred family observance. No gate crashers, no stowaways, no pretenders may participate but are invited to observe. 
because something's going to be preached. Something's going to be preached by those who know and love the Lord Jesus, and it will be something very, very sacred. I want to summarize simply by saying, you've got this on the back of your outline, so you don't need to try to copy this down, but it summarizes where we've been. Communion is a time to parallel the early church. We read that in Acts 2.42. It's a time to praise and thank God. And we've seen that in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 as well. It is a time to practice obedience to the Lord. Because remember, Jesus said, do this. It is a time to preserve the memory of the Lord Jesus. Because we're supposed to do this until he comes again. It's a time to prize the new covenant, as we've already said. It's a time to proclaim or preach Jesus' death. It's a time to prophesy of Jesus' second coming because we're doing this until he comes again. It's a time to purify the church, as we've just seen. And it's a time to participate in fellowship with one another. That's something that we're called to do and yet privileged to do at the same time. I think that we can see communion as something that is very, very important. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as it is so important, we engage now in celebrating communion, recognizing all of these things and many more that we didn't have a chance to even touch on today, but showing us how vital this is as part of our Christian discipline and part of our Christian privilege. So help us to that end, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a moment right now in silence to do what we've just read that we're supposed to do, and that's to examine ourselves. Make sure that we're participating in a worthy manner. Make sure that we're recognizing, discerning the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure if there's something we need to confess before the Lord right now, that we do that. Let's take a moment then in silence. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we have a reminder right now that we're all about to preach together. Reminder of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pause to give you thanks for that body. Thanks for sending that body here to earth with the express purpose of dying for us after having lived a perfect life, to pay the penalty for our sin, to take away our guilt. We remember that right now, and we remember that with thanksgiving. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Pay careful attention to these words. Let's participate together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we have another reminder of the blood of our Lord Jesus. You've told us about the new covenant in his blood. You've told us that it's better than the old covenant. It made the old one obsolete. And you've told us through your word, through the words of the Lord Jesus, to do this whenever we drink it in remembrance of him. And so we do once again with gratitude. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us participate together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, it's been our desire to honor you. It's been our desire to honor your word. It's been our desire to do exactly as you've told us to do in order to express the greatest thanks that are imaginable for us to be giving for taking away our sin, taking away our guilt, and giving to us an eternal destiny and giving us the assurance of our salvation in Christ, not because we're anything special at all, but because he is, and we honor him, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you please take out your hymnals, and let's open up to hymn number 203. And let's sing the first and second verse of And Can It Be, hymn 203. Let's all stand, let's sing together. You may be seated. I just wanted to take a minute and to say how grateful Lauren and I have been for the love and support we have received at Alden for these past five years. They have been more enriching and meaningful than we could have thought possible. At this time, however, we have come to the decision that I will be returning to school next year to complete my master's in education beginning in January of 2015. And unfortunately, this will bring our time here at AUC to a close. Our decision did not come lightly and as the result of a great deal of prayer and struggle, 
Our main desire for this change is so that we can take steps towards a future where our time together is more consistent and can provide a schedule that edifies and strengthens our marriage. We can't thank you enough for all that you have meant to us. And although our time here is coming to an end, we know we have built lifelong relationships that we intend to maintain, and we are excited to continue serving the Lord wherever he leads us. Thank you very much. The good news is that they'll be with us till the end of the year, and the Lord may come between now and then, and it won't matter. That's the good news. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that Derek and Lauren's announcement just now solidifies where we've been through this whole service. The body loves each other and cares for each other. And thank you that when there is a part that needfully needs to be somewhere else or you've guided them somewhere else, it still hurts, and we can't pretend that it doesn't. There's still a sadness that we have, and yet at the same time we recognize your sovereignty, we recognize your guidance, and we wouldn't want to fight that, but please help us through this time together in this transition time, but more importantly for Derek and Lauren, I pray that you'd help them, guide them, lead them, help them in the future because you've gifted them immensely, and we desire to see and hear how it is that you'll be using them in the future. So thank you for the gift that you've given to Alden Union Church that we've been able to enjoy for these five years. And thank you that even as we part this service now to go out into the world, that we do so with great joy knowing that you're the God who is in control. And at the same time, we recognize that it would be remiss for us not to have some sadness for the separation, for the loss. But may each one of us be guided by you in exactly the way that you'd have us to go and even to react in such a way that great glory comes to you. And we would thank you for this now. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're dismissed.